We are arriving at Psalm 23 in our walk through the Psalms, and that Psalm 23 is probably the best known psalm in the Psalter, but more than that, it is probably the best known chapter in the whole Bible. And if there's any one chapter in the Bible that's been memorized as a whole chapter more than any other, would be Psalm 23. It is hold, held a special place in the life of the church for thousands of years. It was written 3,000 years ago. David lived about 1,000 B.C., so it has been with us for millennia as a comfort and encouragement to God's people. And, uh, and part of our catechism, as we've taught our children through the years, we teach them the Ten Commandments and the Lord's Prayer. We teach them Psalm 23 and the Apostles' Creed. We teach them these various things. This has always even been part of that catechism. There's something special in this Word of God to His people that uh, is worth getting a hold of. So it is so familiar, my, my hope and my prayer this morning is that familiarity would not breed contempt, but that we could, uh, we could hear afresh and maybe hear God speak something new into our souls. Psalm 23, hear the Word of God. The Lord Yahweh is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we have gathered this morning as your people. And we have gathered to you. To your presence. To know you. To lift our hearts and our voices in worship, to draw near, to sit at Your feet, to listen to You. Father, would You come near and speak to us afresh from Your Word. Cause it to live and to be powerful and to bring life and hope and health to our souls. In Jesus' name we ask and pray. Amen. It is easy to grow weary. At least it's easy for me to grow weary Sometimes to lose heart. Paul calls the Christian life in the New Testament a warfare. And that we're called to fight a good fight. But warfare can be exhausting. It can be tiring. And like Paul, we also pour ourselves out in service. Paul says, I'm being poured out like a drink offering on sacrifice and Service And there's so much that the Lord calls us to as we not only fight the good fight in, in, in living out our faith, but we, we pour ourselves out in service. Some of you guys teach Sunday school week after week after week after week, and you lead small groups, and you prepare again this week and again next week, and you, and you lead, and some of you serve on the session or the diaconate, and you, you know, week after week, month after month, year after year, some of you guys serve years, years. In and out. We get tired. We get drained. 
We can be anxious. Weariness can be more than physical. It's not just losing an hour of sleep on a particular day of the year or, or just working hard. It's one thing to work with your hands and to be physically tired and to fall into bed. There's a weariness in service. There's a weariness in fighting sin and dealing with other people's sin. There's a weariness in dealing with relationships and brokenness. There is there's a soul weariness that can settle on us that we can experience again and again. And I don't know about you, this is one, it's easy to talk from personal experience. It is a, it's a deeper, more profound tired that we can experience than simply being physically tired. And yet Paul, the same Paul who says he pours himself out in sacrifice and service and calls God's people to do the same, the same Paul says, let us not become weary in doing good. And that there is a harvest of righteousness to be had. He says, let's not grow weary in this fight. Let's not grow weary in this pouring of ourselves out. But how do we do that? How do you pour yourself out and not get empty? How do you fight and find renewed strength? How in our marriages, in our parenting, in our leading, in our serving? And the answer is, we must find rest. That just like our body when it gets tired needs eight good ones, at least mine does, you know, I need eight solid, that's where it is. And just as the body needs refreshment, it needs to rest, it needs to be restored for another day. So the Bible says the soul is a very similar kind of experience. And that as we get tired, we need to rest. We need to find rest. We need to find a way to restore our souls, to press on and to keep on keeping on. And not just, not just, just making it, but thriving. Thriving. We must find this rest. And it's the God who calls us to fight that fight and to walk that road and to serve and to pour ourselves out. The God who calls us, He is able to do it. He is able to provide what your soul needs day by day. There are two powerful images in this psalm as we come into it. There are this picture of the shepherd and his sheep. So familiar to many of us. I don't know how many times you've heard a sermon. So, But it's also juxtaposed. We don't always see that with the other image which is the host and his guest. He mixes his metaphors. But both of these images, the shepherd with his sheep and the host with his guest, both of these images reveal something to us about the character of God. It shows us something about who God is for His people. It's profound. That's why we treasure this psalm. Because what God tells us about Himself here, how God reveals Himself to us here, is so satisfying deeply to people who are weary. Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give rest for your souls. And there is something here that that He gives to us as He reveals Himself as a shepherd to His people. The One who is able to give us good pasture and quiet waters that will restore us to ourselves. God is a shepherd of His people. In Psalm 78, verses 52 and 3, it says that He led out His people like sheep. He guided them in the wilderness like a flock. He led them into safety 
so that they were not afraid. Let the sea overwhelm their enemies. So going all the way back here to the Exodus, this beautiful picture of God shepherding His people out. It says that He led them. He guided them. The images that we get in this psalm that He leads us in the paths of righteousness. So He leads them and it says that they find a place of safety. They are not afraid. Isaiah 40 verse 11, it says, Like a shepherd, He will tend His flock. In His arms, He will gather the lambs. He will carry them in His bosom. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. He will lead them. He will guide them. He will care for them. God is a shepherd to His covenant people. And so David, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, knowing this, and this is part of the psyche of, of God's people, but David takes this picture that he leads his people out, like, you know, in a great mass out of the Exodus and all this, and he takes this image of God of, and he brings it and it appropriates it to himself. There are no we's in this psalm. It's me. He is my shepherd. He leads me. He guides me. He knows me. He cares for me. Personally. You know, there's image. The image that he gives then is David appropriates this relationship with God. Uh, is this image of constant companionship. That God is always with us. Right? As the shepherd is with his sheep, he is always with them. And he shows himself to be you know, the source of life and health, leading them to the right pasture and caring for them. As Jesus condescended, and this is part of the power of it, as Jesus condescended and it says that He emptied Himself and He took the form of a servant, that's very much what God reveals Himself to be here. That He condescends to be our shepherd. To, to care for our needs. Right? To, meet, to meet our needs and to take care of us and to protect us. And many of you know of all the different sermons on the shepherds, you know, the first ones to come and find Jesus. And we, in places like this, we talk about the shepherd's job, and everybody knows it's a dirty job. Right? It's a dirty job. Should be on that show. You live with the sheep. And you don't watch them from a high tower. Uh, you, you, you sleep with them, you stand guard over them, and you can't leave them. Because they're always in danger of either straying off or, or being taken by a wolf or you know, some other predator. And so you're always there. You're always with the sheep. This picture of constant companionship. Never leaves or nor forsakes his sheep. He's our shepherd. He lived with us. He lives with us, so to speak, like the shepherd does. It's a lowly job. The youngest son gets it. That's why David was out in the fields tending the sheep when they came looking for him. It's the youngest son or, you know, they're kind of the outcasts in your society because they tend to smell and be a little strange because they spend a lot of time by themselves. David grew up shepherding. He's very familiar with it. It's an image that's very close to his heart. He spent years following sheep around. Years. Shepherding them, crooking them, getting them where to go. Years making sure they got food and drink and cared for. Years fighting for them. I like it when he talks about it, when he goes to face Samson and he's talking with Saul about his, uh, his preparedness, so to speak, his preparedness speech. And he goes back and he, and he speaks of the experiences of shepherding. In 1 Samuel 17, we read this. David says to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep. For his father. And when there came a lion or a bear 
And he took one of the lambs from the flock. I went after him. And I struck him. And I delivered him out of its mouth. And if it rose up against me, I caught him in his beard. I struck him and I killed him. Your servant struck down both lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. For he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the mouth, the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul says to David, Go then. And the Lord be with you. And I love that that ends as, as Saul hears how God has been faithful to David in his shepherding, shepherding David in his shepherding. He says, Go and the Lord be with you. Because I think that summarizes the psalm. Right? Go and the Lord be with you. The Lord is your shepherd. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He goes with you at all times to defend and care and provide for you. This is the theme and the promise and the message of this psalm, but also of the Scripture that Yahweh is a shepherd to us. And because He is our shepherd, because He has undertaken that task, because God Himself, the Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth, the Maker of mankind and all that is, has undertaken to, condescended to, be our shepherd, my friends, you shall not want. How could it be that you should find yourself in want with a shepherd like that? With someone like this who has taken... You know, the picture that he gives here in this psalm is a picture of absolute contentment and serenity. And I think that's why we love it so much. We read it and it almost pours peace into our souls. The picture is so complete. It is so rich. It is so absent of any fear or anxiety or need. Right? If the first half of that first verse is true that the Lord is my shepherd, then the second half absolutely also has to be true. I am satisfied. I have all that I need. God takes good care of me. Far be it from me to ever say otherwise. God takes good care of me. I need nothing. If I needed it, He would have given it. If I don't have it, I don't need it. Because He's a good shepherd. And He cares for me. He leads us. Verse 2, He says, He makes me to lie down into green pastures. And He leads me beside quiet waters. Right? Green pastures for a sheep. I don't know for you, this like He leads me to steak dinners and potatoes. Right? Because for a sheep, you know, the green pasture, I mean, that's, that's abundant food. Right? I could eat on this for a year. Right? This is, this is good. Lead me in here. This is a place, you know, there's openness and freedom in this picture that, and an abundance of provision. Green pastures. So it's, the Lord leads us to the place where our hunger is satisfied. Soul hunger. When you get empty, as your body gets low on fuel and must be recharged and fed, He says He is the one who satisfies. You know, apparently it's hard to get sheep to lay down. I've not been a shepherd. I don't know this firsthand. But, but I read these things and apparently it's hard to get them to lay down because if they have any distraction or any concern whatsoever, they won't lay down. So, so if they are afraid, if they scent danger in the air, they won't lay down. They're on guard. If there is friction, you know, they're rubbing up against each other. You know, if they're flocking that way, when there's friction or conflict with the other sheep, they're not going to lay down. If there, are, if there are flies and pests that are bugging them, if there are things coming at them, they're not going to lie down. If they're hungry, they always stand to eat. So if they're hungry, they will be on their feet. 
So when he says that he brings us to green pastures, he makes us to lie down in green pastures. Right? There's a picture there of just total peace, satisfaction. You are safe. You know, you are relieved of the distresses that are bothering you. You are, you are able to lay down without fear. There is security. Complete and total rest from all our labors. And then he says he leads them beside, at the end of that verse, he leads us beside still waters. Again, if you're a sheep, this is a picture of, of refreshment. Cool refreshment. If you're a sheep in the Middle East, to be led beside still waters where you can at leisure and to your full satisfaction find refreshment satisfies our thirst. He satisfies our hunger. He puts aside our fears and makes us to lie down under His care, under His protection. This image reminds me of Psalm 46, verse 10. It says, Be still. And know that I am God. And I think that's where the psalm is calling you, isn't it? It's calling you to be still. He leads us beside these quiet waters into this place. Into this place of security and rest and abundance. And there we can be still. All those things that have been harassing you, all those things that distress you, all the fears, all the worries, all of those things, the way your soul has gotten hungry and all that, he says, come, you know, be still here and find the satisfaction that you need. Know that I am God. Rest under my shepherding care. Know Him. Be with Him. Worship Him. Fellowship with Him. Remember Him. Recalibrate with Him. Find yourself satisfied by who He is and all that He has to give to you. Isaiah 30, verse 15, He says, It is in repentance and rest that you find your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. I think we have lost some of that. Some of us, it's a lost art, quietness. Being still. And just knowing God. Being with Him. Worshiping Him. Letting Him speak His love to you. Letting Him speak of who He is to you. Letting Him fill you afresh with His Spirit. Letting Him just be with you so that you are in His presence. In His presence, it tells us there is fullness of joy. And I think we have lost some of this. Finding this space, this place in quietness and trust. There is strength. There is renewed strength. There it is. It's what we need to keep on keeping on. To prepare Sunday school again for next week. To prepare small group again for next week. To go to the next session meeting. To deal with the next crisis. To get up and, and deal with our marriages again. And to deal with our children, our parenting, and all that drains us and it pours us out. Here in quietness and trust is your strength. And then he says, but you would have none of it. And I think that is sometimes our problem. We would have none of it. Here he lays out in a sense a feast and calls us to himself. And somehow we just keep on keeping on out there, running on fumes. So then he will lead us, verse 3, into the paths of righteousness. For his own name's sake, there's no better sake. Because whatever he does for his own name's sake, he does fully and completely. 
If He did it for my sake, I'm not sure what that would entail or what, what weight that carries, but when He does it for His name's sake, His name is at stake. And He does it. He is faithful. For His own name's sake, He is faithful. And He leads us in the paths of righteousness. And that means, some would actually translate it that He leads us in the right paths. And they're very similar. You know, but one, the paths of righteousness has that moral overtone, but the image here is of sheep following their shepherd. And that He leads us in right paths. Meaning, as you lead your sheep through the wilderness and you get them to pastures in the right places and into safety and you are with them, that you lead them in the right paths. He knows where He's taking you. Some of you are wandering down a road right now that God is taking you down. You don't, you're not really sure where you're going, but here's the thing. He leads you in the right paths. And whatever plans a man makes in his heart, it says the Lord directs his steps and, and your shepherd leads you. So, you can trust Him. He keeps us from straying and He brings us home. And he brings us to good pasture. Jude 24 says, Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling. I couldn't help thinking of it as I thought about the good shepherd who leads us in the right paths. This one who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you to get you home, right? To present you faultless before the presence of His glory with great joy. He is able to do it. To keep you from stumbling down the wrong paths. To bring you home. And then He says, even, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you're with me. That's the shepherd. He's this constant companionship. You never leave nor forsake me. You're with me. Your rod, your staff, they are comfort to me. Because you have them. I know you have them. You are prepared and equipped to do the job. Some would say in this one too that it's not, he's not talking about death per se here. Maybe at some point death is included. But it really is this image again that he leads us in the right paths. And even when the path leads through a dark valley, through a valley of shadow, right? And so you have the image of the dark gorge, you know, a sunless path through a, a valley. And he says, even when we go through the valley of shadow, and I can, you know, those sh- I don't know what's lurking. You've got to think like, you know, long, dark alley, uh, you know, with dumpsters and stuff in it, places to hide. And, you know, you know and even when I go through the, the back, dark alley, you are with me. You didn't choose a wrong path for me. I may find myself in the dark valley, but He leads unerringly. His paths are right. We're in the right place. And He is with us. And so, no fear. I am not afraid. Your rod and your staff, the tools. A rod is a, is a weapon and the staff is the tool to, you know, to keep us from straying, to pull us back from the edge of the cliff or you know, the hooked crook of the, the, the shepherd. And the, the rod is that which He killed the lion and the bear with. That's His weapon. He is able to protect it, to lead us and protect us by shepherding and guiding us. And, and He's able to protect us from our enemies. He leads us, even as we go through the dark valley, I will not be afraid. Wouldn't it be nice? No more fear. It's probably one of the greatest blessings we as human beings could ultimately experience is that. If we could just be delivered from all of our fears. Even when we go through the dark valley, that we are a people of no fear. That we have a strong trust and confidence in the One who is with us and who leads us in the right paths. 
Stott says, in His presence there is neither want nor fear. If only this could sink down into our souls. That kind of sums it up. We won't need for anything. We will not be afraid. We need this. We need this. The deliverance from our fears and the satisfaction of our needs. Here is the energy and the strength. Here is the guidance. Here is the companionship. Here is the comfort. Here is the security. Here is the satisfaction. Here there is life and strength and health and hope. Here is what we need to be full of every day. Even as we are full of His Spirit as we walk with Him. And He abruptly changes the metaphor. And I always catch that, that in verse uh, five, he abruptly mixes or changes the metaphor and he says, you prepare a table before me. I'm no longer a sheep, now I'm a man. Right? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Different metaphor, same picture, isn't it? It's a table of abundance, a table of feasting. Right? Now we get the steak dinner that, that is more at home with my tastes. Right? The green pasture wasn't fully doing it. You know? But now you prepare a table before me. And you do it in the presence of my enemy. I have a cup that never runs dry. It's one of those that any time it starts to get low, it keeps, it's always full. It keeps filling my cup. There's this table of abundance. There's oil for anointing and for blessing and cleansing. And he says, all of this is done in the presence of my enemies. And here's the thing that rides through both of these metaphors. This, all of this is done. God's provision and care is not the removal of danger. And we need to hear this because this is so often what we pray for and long for and want. And I'm not sure that that will ever be the case until you get home to glory. Until you dwell in His house forever as the psalm ends. When you get there, then there will be no more danger. Then there will be no more trouble and trial, no more dark valleys. But until then, my friends, all of this is done in the face of our enemies. Right? The shepherd is with us in the wild. He carries a rod because there's ever-present danger. And he prepares the table for us in the face of our enemies, in the presence of our enemies, because that's where we live. We're not free from trouble and strife while we walk this earth. And so all of this that he offers, and this is what we need to capture, these images, these metaphors, all that he offers in this psalm is not someday pie in the sky. This is an offering to your soul today. It is the offer to every child of God, to every sheep of Jesus, everyone who belongs to the flock. This is a spiritual place. Right? It's a place that you can arrive at. You know, it is to, it's the restoration of soul. And that's not a place where I have to go. That is, that is a meeting with God, this, this green pasture He's describing. It's not out there. It's not up Highway 153 somewhere. No, it's, it's it's here. It is available to us. God is a Spirit and those who seek Him. We are spiritual beings and He is offering us a spiritual feast for our souls. A pasture and a stream and a feast and it's all able to be enjoyed and celebrated here and now in His presence. He's able to meet us. Whatever enemy stands before you, whatever dark valley you are going through, He says He offers these things to our souls. A place of refuge in the midst of the battle. A respite right in the middle of the warfare where the enemy is still camped at the gate. Peaceful moments. A center. I love that. Sort of a center of quiet. A place 
that we can live out of that is full of everything described here. It exists. I've been there. I go there. I want to live there. Right? That this will follow me. This goodness and this mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. There is a place, that's why I say, to learn that quietness and rest. To learn to be still and to know our God. Right? To find there in His presence the fullness of joy and the strength that we need so desperately. And my friends, it is in His presence. See, this is the thing. We, we often seek it in all the wrong places. The world and its pleasures does not restore the soul. And here's the thing, even entertainment and vacations don't restore the soul in this way. In fact, some ways, because we do and we do and we do and we go and we go and we go, and whenever there's space, we fill that space with more doing and more going, and a lot of times it can leave us emptier than before. Sometimes I need a vacation from my vacation. Because that what we're talking about here is not that, it's not like that. It is something only the shepherd can provide. We must forsake the crowds, the maddening crowds, the flashing screens. Psalm 23 reveals the soul of a man who has found his all and his satisfaction in God. That God is enough. And He fills my soul. And my cup overflows. And His mercy and His goodness will follow me to the day we are in His presence. Let me just close quickly with the image you have to remember that Jesus picks this up and He puts Himself in the place of, the, of this shepherd. Because this is the good shepherd. Right? And Jesus reveals Himself to be that shepherd. In John 10, verses 11-14, to 14, He says, I'm the good shepherd. I'm that, I'm that one described in Psalm 23 with the rod and the staff. I'm the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. The one who's a hired hand and not a shepherd. The one who doesn't own the sheep. See, I own the sheep. You're mine. You belong to me. I have a vested interest. It's for my name's sake. You know that I do my job well, so to speak. Right? But the one who's not a shepherd, he flees. He sees the wolf coming and he leaves. And the wolf snatches them. They're scattered. He flees because he's a hired hand. He doesn't care for the sheep. But I'm the good shepherd. I care for the sheep. I own the sheep. I love the sheep. I know my sheep. And they know me. And I laid down my life for you. Jesus laid down His life for you. He did what was needed to protect, to to create and protect His flock. He laid down His life. He bore in His own body on the cross our sin. He paid our debt. He shepherded us and paid the ultimate price to see it so. And so when He invites us, like He does in Matthew 11, He says, take My yoke upon you or My shepherd's crook upon you and learn from Me. I'm gentle and lowly of heart and you will find rest for your souls. It is found nowhere else. It is found in Jesus. There's no greater blessing on earth than to be able to say in faith and confidence that the Lord is my shepherd. And if you have never memorized it, you should maybe memorize it. If you haven't, if you haven't been still in this psalm to know that He is God and that that God is your shepherd, you should take time to enter into it. There's no greater blessing when you come to know Jesus Christ as your, the guardian of your soul, 
and experience in that way day by day. He will make you to lie down in green pastures. He will lead you beside quiet waters. In every dark valley, His presence will drive out your fears. His grace will restore your souls. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. I find myself satisfied. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we thank you that you would condescend to be our shepherd. That you would undertake to go with us. To be with us. To lead us and to guide us. To show us the way. To bring us to pasture. Good pasture. To prepare a feast for our souls. To feed us. To protect us. To keep us from stumbling and to present us faultless before the presence of Your glory with great joy. Oh, would You open our hearts this morning to know You like this. That we might be delivered from our fear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.